for that special number this morning. We're going to let the children make their way back to junior church. And as they're on their way, we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, starting with verse 3. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 3. Okay, starting with verse 3. Do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. There must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things... The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that, is, that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, awake sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Have you ever noticed how a little light, even a candle can make a big difference in a dark room? Uh, some of you have had that experience of going down into the depth of a cave and uh, invariably the guide likes to turn off all the lights and it's just absolutely pitch dark. You can't even see your hand in front of your face. And then just a little light, little match makes a big difference in in that dark room. Uh, We had an interesting experience here a few weeks ago when our kids were here. Um, Two of our grandkids had never been in a cave. And so Ginger took them up to uh, Gardner Cave up there by Boundary Dam. What she didn't realize was that when that light went off, how many of you remember the shirts you wore for VBS? (laughs) They were fluorescent. (laughs) She happened to be wearing the shirt that day. (laughs) And and, uh, suddenly it was not totally dark in there. Uh, I'm not sure the guide appreciated that. <laughs> she, she hurried and tried to cover it up, but uh, I thought, what a, what a beautiful illustration that is of a child of God. We live in a sin-darkened world, and it, they would love to put out the light, but you just can't do it. And uh, a little light makes a, a big difference. We walk in a sin-darkened world in a spiritual sense. And that has serious consequences, and we'll look at those as as we go through the passage. But if you recall back in chapter 4, we were called to walk worthy of the Lord. Walk in a manner that demonstrates that we belong to Jesus Christ. In chapter 5, we started out by looking at the fact that to do that, we walk in love. And now, verse 8, he says, we are to walk as children of the light. What is involved here? In walking in darkness. 
We'll start with that because that's where Paul starts in verse 3 there. In John chapter 16, or excuse me, John chapter 3, verse 16, we're, we're all familiar with that verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, uh, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But then just a few verses later, you come down to uh, verse 19. It says, this is judgment that light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Jesus came as the light of the world and men love darkness rather than light. They, they chose to reject the light and to live in darkness. As you think of what he's saying there in John chapter 3, darkness affects, first of all, our morality in verse 3 here. He says, don't let immorality or impurity or greed be named amongst you there. The word immorality covers a multitude of sins. It could be adultery. It could be uh, sexual impurity. It could be perversion. Uh, and we live in a dark society today. It's all around us. The word that he uses for impurity carries the idea of dwelling on that which is wrong. So that involves our not just our physical actions, but our thought life as well. I don't know how many people have tried to justify pornography. It just affects me. It doesn't affect anybody else. Well, that's not the case. Uh, it's a major problem in our day and age, and it hurts so many people. The one who is watching it suffers. The spouse suffers. Uh, others within the family do. It, it leads to heartache, and it destroys relationships. We need to be careful in, in that area of, of life. Uh, had a young couple a while back came for premarital counseling. Everything was going fine up until three weeks before the wedding. And then uh, the, the young man had confessed that he had a problem with pornography in the past, had gotten help, had safeguards on his computer and the whole thing. And then three weeks before the wedding, she found out that he had found a way to bypass the safeguards. And that problem had not been dealt with. It, it was an ongoing problem. And uh, I, I still remember the heartache and the tears as, as she had to come to grips with, do I go ahead with the marriage? Or don't I? And uh, she chose at that point not to go ahead with the marriage because of the immorality, the the uh, impurity that that was there that that had not been dealt with. Praise the Lord! There is forgiveness in those kind of situations. Remember in John chapter eight, the woman that was taken in adultery. Jesus uh, came and he began to write that message in the sand. You ever wonder what he wrote that day? What was he naming some names, some dates? Uh, uh, because one by one, they, the Pharisees slipped away. They dropped their stones and, and they were gone. And, and then Jesus turns to her and says, neither, do I, forget, neither I, do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Cleansing and forgiveness was available. She found it that day. Her life was changed and, and transformed. Uh, and, and, but notice he, he said, if, if you're coming to the light, your morality has to change. There has to be a change in your life and, and your lifestyle. He said, go and sin no more. Darkness also affects here our priorities. Notice in the very same verse there, 
after dealing with immorality and impurity, he says that little word, greed. Uh, Now, we don't think of that as a major problem, do we? Or is it? In in, uh, verse 5, he speaks of the fact that covetousness or greed there makes a person an idolater. It's the same idea comes out of Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, where he specifically says a a, a coveting is idolatry. It's a serious issue. The the 10th command, if you remember the 10 commandments, and I won't ask you to name all 10 of them today in order, (laughs) but uh, the the 10th commandment says, thou shalt not, what? Covet, covet. Uh, Coveting leads to the violation of, of every other one of the commandments. If we are coveting something and it's driving our life, then we have a problem with idolatry. That's the first couple commandments, isn't it? If we're not careful and we're coveting, uh, pretty soon it leads to stealing and we break that commandment. I I remember before I I knew anything at all about the word of God or or God himself, uh, I started school in a little country one-room schoolhouse. Actually, it was a two-room schoolhouse that, for the first four grades. But um, you're, you're locked into one room with the same teacher for two years in, in that kind of situation. And, and so you, you better learn to get along with the teacher or you're in trouble <laughs> the second year. But uh, I, I still remember, uh, I appreciated the fact that uh, in those days, you were seated alphabetically. So guess where I was at? <laughs> I get to, always got to sit in the back row. I, I, I know we love to do that in church. Uh, a lot of times these front rows are empty because we, we just like that, that back row for some, some reason. But sitting next to me was a, a boy that uh, had a bunch of toys, little tiny toys that he could play with, and were far enough back that the teacher can't see what's going on. And so he had these little puzzles you, you have a little key in them. You turn the key and all the parts fall out and then you've got to put them back together again. And uh, I, I still remember watching him for several days playing with one of them thinking, I'd sure like to have one of those. I, I, I don't have anything like that. And suddenly the thought came, you could have one like that. And I, as I coveted that pretty soon, I stole it. And... and uh, I, I, I still remember feeling bad about it. I, I don't think I ever really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I didn't know what to do about it once I stole it, but uh, it, it uh, coveting led to stealing there. Uh, as we think about that, do we covet? Is that a problem in our lives? Does it affect our, our priorities today? Uh, someone has said idolatry is anything that is more important to us than God. It may be a person. It, it, it may be something that we set up on a shelf. It, it, it may be materialism. What do we sacrifice today for the good life? What, what do we sacrifice to, to get the things of this world? What, what price are we willing to pay for material things? It, does it become an idol in our life? I like the story of a man who was involved in a a big corporation, steadily worked his way up to a a good management position. And one day the owner of the company came to him and said, I want you to become vice president of the corporation. Offered him the job. 
And he said, oh, well, I need time to think about it and pray about it. And, and finally he came to the president and he said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. He said, the price is too high. And he said, what do you mean the price is too high? You're going to get a raise. You're going to get all kinds of benefits. And he said, no, I'm talking about the price I would have to pay for my family. I, I would lose my family in the process. And um, the president looked at him and said, well, you know, if, if you're not willing to advance, there's no place for you in this corporation. And he was fired. He had just a couple of weeks to clean out his office and desk. And, and on, on he was about to go on his way when, as, as he was packing the final box, the, the president came in. And with tears in his eyes, he said, you know, I wish I could have made the choice that you made. He said, I chose to become president, and in the process, I lost my family. I lost my wife. I lost my children. I have nothing but my job. And what a tragedy that was. To, to think he had coveted so much that he made the wrong choices there. Are we walking in the light or are we walking in darkness when it comes to our priorities, when it comes to the, the choices that we are making in our life? Is it affecting, is darkness affecting our priorities today? And then he speaks of the fact here that darkness affects our character in verse 4. Notice he speaks there of filthiness, of silly talk, coarse jesting, and so forth. And why do I say that reflects on our character? Well, back in Matthew chapter um, 12 Jesus said these words in verse 34 it says you brood of vipers how can you be an evil speak what is good for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart and back in the book of Proverbs in chapter 23 verse 7 it says as a man thinketh in his heart so is he the mouth reveals the, the character of our heart you listen to a person's speech long enough and you will get a pretty good idea where they are at spiritually. Yeah, that's what disturbs me as I, I, I walk sometimes by the playground and so forth. You listen to some of those little kids and their speech and you've got to wonder where they're going to wind up. What, what's going on in their life that they, that they can be so perverse in, in their speaking and not even give it a, a second thought there. So what is it that our speech reveals about us? It reveals our basic character there. And it's a serious issue because in verse 5 and verse 6, he says, if we entertain these areas, we don't have a part. We don't have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And not only that, in verse 6, it says, these things bring the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience. Does our character matter? Well, contrary to one of our former presidents, yes, it does. It does make a big difference in a person's heart and life. And so much so that in verse 7 there, he says, do not, what? Do not partake. Don't, do not, verse 11, he says, do not participate in these areas of, of darkness. The word that he chooses to use there, partake or participate, means to associate with or to, to participate in them. We're called to be a light. We're called to show the world a difference and if we don't show them the difference they're going to continue in their darkness uh, in second corinthians chapter four in verse three uh, he, he speaks of the fact if our gospel i'm going to change that just a little bit there if, if uh, peterson can write the message 
and, and translate it. I, I, I can take some liberty with the scripture as well, I guess. Uh, if our light is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, to those who are lost. If we're not living out the character of Christ, if we're not revealing the gospel message through our life, it's veiled to those who are lost. If we're not living as we should in our family, that light will be darkened and our kids and our grandkids won't see the light that they need to see. If, if we're not showing the light on, on the job or as we walk through this world or in the school or wherever we, God places us, it's the lost that are going to suffer the consequences. We need to be the light that God calls us to be. And so it behooves us to ask, are we, are we walking in darkness in some area of our life? Uh, are we dimming the light uh, or are we being a, a shining light for the glory of Jesus Christ? The second question is what is involved in walking in the light here? What happens when we follow Christ's example? In, in uh, verse 8 or verse 9, he gives us the results of walking in light. First of all, light brings goodness into our lives. Psalm 107, verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for what? He is good. Remember the story of the young man that came to Jesus wanting to know how to have eternal life. He came to him and he said, Good master. And Jesus stops him at that point. And he says, What do you mean, good master? The, the only one that is good, as the Pharisees taught, was God. And what he was doing there, he was forcing this young man to seriously think. What was he saying there? Was he saying that Jesus was a good example? Or was he recognizing that he was truly God? If he's truly God, that puts a different perspective on the matter. Because as Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 6, why do you bother calling me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to do the things that I say? If he's God, we have the responsibility to walk in the light. We have a responsibility to walk in, that, that in such a way that we experience his goodness in our lives. To walk in goodness literally is to follow the example of Jesus Christ. Goodness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. In, in Psalm 34, verse 14, he says, I want you to depart from evil and do good. Seek peace, he said, and pursue it. In Psalm 37, verse 3, he says, trust in the Lord and, and do good. Someone has paraphrased goodness, uh, uh, probably not the best definition for goodness, but I like to paraphrase. They said, goodness is literally love in action. Think of that for a minute. Goodness is love put into action in our lives. It comes out of 1 John chapter 3 there in verse 16, where he says, we know love by this that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brother. Whoever has this world's goods and beholds his bro brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? If we are truly the light that God wants us to be, our light will shine by our actions. It, it will be revealed by the, the things that we do and how we behave ourselves. And so again, a, a good question is, can the world see the goodness of God in us. Can, is that light being demonstrated for us? James puts the same idea in James chapter 2. It says, uh, show me your faith 
without your works and I'll show you my faith by your works. And he goes on to say, if somebody comes and they're naked or hungry or so forth, and we do, we, we say, go in peace and be filled and be warmed and so forth and don't do anything to touch that need. What good is that? Where, where is the love of God in that? So light brings goodness. It also brings righteousness. Uh, Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 it says the the son of righteousness that that son is S-U-N there uh, talking about the Messiah the the son of righteousness uh, arises with healing in his wings Proverbs 14 34 says righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people if we are walking in the light we need to do what is right not what's convenient, not what is necessarily best for us, what's, not what is financially advantageous, but what is the right thing to do? What would God have us to do? James chapter four seventeen says, if, if we know to do good and we don't do it to us, it is sin. Light will bring that righteousness into our lives. And then it brings truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That truth comes through Jesus Christ. John chapter 8, verse 32 says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? It shall set you free. And he, he goes on, on to declare himself to be the truth in, in verse 36 there. And again, it comes down to a character issue. If we are walking in the light, it affects our word our character, uh, what we say, and, and so forth there. And so are these three things evident in our lives and our hearts today? Is our light shining brightly? What happens when we choose to walk in the light? When, when we reject the darkness and we walk in the light, there are two results here. First of all, we please God in verse 10. Uh, he says, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, I like the way he puts that there. Uh, I, I like that little word, trying to learn. That's a process. We have to, as we go through life, we have to get into the word. We have to uh, find out what it is that, that really pleases him. It, 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 you'd think it would all pour it out on us all of a sudden, but it, it doesn't come that way. It's a growth process that, that takes place there. The word that he uses to learn literally means to test or to approve. And so as we walk in the light, we are approving. We, we are testing. What is it that, that really brings glory to God? Too often, if we're not careful, we walk to please ourselves or to please somebody else. We're, we're more concerned, what, what are they going to think about me? Uh, uh, what, 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 are we, what are we gaining out of that? Or, or are we living to hear... When we cross the finish line, are we living to hear those words? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Is it more important to us what God thinks of our actions than what somebody else thinks of our actions? Are we living to please him or are we living to please ourselves? The second thing that we see here is we expose the darkness. Now that sounds negative when we look at it. And guess what? It is negative. Darkness is a negative. And so we should be exposing that. We should uh, be, our, our lives should reveal the light of God. And if it does that, it's going to expose the darkness in, that's around us. Uh, darkness brings heartache, uh, shame, so forth. The world loves today 
to glamorize darkness. Look at the average program on television. Look, look at the movies. Look, look at what's being written and so forth. And you see the glamorous side of darkness. What they don't show is the end result. What, what often happens by, from that kind of a lifestyle. So much so that Paul says in verse 12, it's disgraceful even to the speak of the things which are being done in secret. He said, we shouldn't have any part in that. And yet, I wonder how many times, if we're not careful, are we entertained by the, the deeds of darkness rather than having nothing whatsoever to do with it. If, if we come to the light, he said, it's going to expose the darkness. Uh, verse uh, 12, or, or, or verse 13, speaks of the, the exposure there. Um, and so he closes with that warning in verse 14. He's not writing to those who haven't accepted Christ in verse 14. He's, he's writing to you and I as a child of God. He says, awake. Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you there. It's a wake-up call to, to the church. We are called to be a light. We are called to demonstrate the difference that Christ can make in a life. Years ago, in a village up in British Columbia, up outside of west of Prince George there, there was a missionary by the name of Art Terry. He had been out there for several years preaching the, the, the gospel, attempting to get a, a church started and so forth. He lived in a little log cabin on the edge of the lake. And uh, if you've lived in that country, you know what it's like when it's 40 or 50 degrees below zero. It's a lot of fun when you're young. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to go back to that again, but uh, we, we, we really enjoyed it at, at, at the time. But... Uh, when you live in a log cabin and your only heat is wood and you have no electricity and so forth, you find in the middle of the night it gets a little bit chilly. And every night you have to get up and you have to stoke up the fire a little bit, add some more wood to it there. And that's what Art was doing. It was in the middle of the night. He got up to take care of the fire. And in the process, he lit a candle and... His house probably wasn't as neat as our house because I can walk through our house in the dark, but uh, he, he felt he needed a candle. So he lit a candle and he set it in the window and he went about his business and he was just about to blow out the candle and go back to bed when he noticed the door handle turning. And the door opened and in staggered an elderly Indian man. He, he was, his clothes were frozen stiff. He could hardly walk. But he said these words, it's okay, I saw the light. This man was a trapper. For some reason, he had gotten caught out in the, on his trap line, wasn't able to make it back home in time, and he was attempting to come home in the dark. Crossed the lake, as often happens on the, some of those lakes, there's a weak spot, and he stepped on one of those, and he went into, into the water. Now, you don't last very long when it's 40 degrees below zero outside when you're soaking wet. And he knew as he came up out of that lake that he probably wasn't going to make it. And then suddenly, there was a light in the window. And he struggled up to that door and fell into the room. And he said, it's all right. I saw the light. I wonder, are there people in darkness out there today that need a glimpse of Jesus Christ? And are they going to see it by the way in which we live? by the way in which we act, by, by the things that we say, are they going to see a difference? Because we are the light 
in, in a sin-darkened world. I was thinking of that this week. We had the privilege of going into Decision America at the time with Franklin Graham and uh, gave an excellent message, a very simple gospel message, uh, and uh, gave the salvation invitation. I don't know how many responded, but there were people standing up all, all, all around there. But uh, he told it like it was. Uh, he told what sin was. Uh, he told that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Uh, gave a, a very, very simple but very very pointed message. I, I deliberately went down to the store the next day to buy the Spokesman Review. I, I wanted to see what they had to say uh, about the meeting. And I, I guess uh, it lived up to my expectations there. Uh, very negative as far as uh, reporting about where Franklin Graham stood and so forth. Uh, it it uh, completely missed the whole gospel message and, and, and all of that, spoke of the fact that he was against abortion, spoke of the fact that uh, he was against our secular society and so forth. And, and you know, as I read that article, I, I couldn't help but ask, how could they miss the light? Uh, when, when you think of Samaritan's Person and so forth at Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, uh, I, I, I wonder when tragedy strikes, who's the first one there to help? Who's down there bringing help to those that have lost their homes in California? It's not the atheist. It, it's not the secular societies. It's those who believe in Jesus Christ that are usually the first ones there with the help that's desperately needed. Why? Because they have the responsibility to be the light in a sin-darkened world. And that's you and I. We have that same responsibility uh, in Second Corinthians chapter 4, again, in verse 6. It says, God who said light shall shine up out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from us. And he goes on to say we're afflicted, we're persecuted and so forth. But notice he says God has placed the light of the world in us. And the encouraging thing is there we're all just a little bit of a crackpot. Uh, we, we, we've been broken. We, we, we understand where the world is at because we've been there. And those cracks allow the light to shine forth into a sin-darkened world. They, they see the light because it's been placed in these... We, we sometimes wonder, why in the world did he choose us? Why didn't he send that message by angels? I mean, they could do a far better job than we could. But he chose to use you and I to be light in a sin-darkened world. And so it is our responsibility, I think, today to, to first of all ask... Are there some areas of darkness that we need to deal with in our life that needs to be removed, that we need to eliminate? And then are we willing to pray, Lord, shine through me this week to touch somebody's heart and touch somebody's life. Make me a light to somebody that's living in darkness. Help me to be the light that attracts them to Jesus Christ. Are we willing to pray, Lord, here am I, use me. Let's pray. Father, today we just want to stop 
And thank you that Jesus Christ came as the light of the world. And yet, sadly, as we think of that, we are reminded of the words in John chapter 3, men love darkness rather than light. We see that darkness crowding around us today. And yet, Father, you've said, you're lights. You're the light of the world. You are sent forth as lights. A city that's lit up can't be hid. And so, Father, as those lights, I think of our VBS shirts that would shine in the darkness. May we be those shirts, in a sense, that are shining in a sin-darkened society. May others see Jesus Christ through us this week, we pray in his name. Amen. We're going to sing together the song, Cleanse Me. It's the only way our light can shine, is if we are clean. So, Gary, come and lead us.